Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Winning Plays is back, and the NBA playoffs is always dragged out. We actually had one that's worthy of spending 72 hours talking about, so we're going to do that right now. My name is Brian Robb, joined by the one and only Brennan Jackson of Celtics Hub fame. To, I mean, Brennan, it's fame. been a... <laughs> Love it's it. Been, yeah, I mean, uh, it's been 48 hours here. Um I don't know if, and it feels like we could spend a week on this game. So we're going to start there. Um, I'm going to go over you that we're not going to break down the end of the game. We're not going to go super sick here. I'll, I'll give you a, a forward leading question here. What's, what's the biggest positive you saw from a Celtics standpoint going forward in the series in game one. And on the other side of that, you can start either way. And what's like the biggest red flag or concern you have just coming out of this game, you know, looking ahead to what should be obviously a pretty tight series wrestler or maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> Hell yeah. I know. Right. Could win the next three very tight games. Right. And then it's a four game series. So sure. I don't think that's, what's going to happen, but we'll get into predictions later. I'm sure. Um, so the biggest positive was that the Celtics didn't play a perfect game and they still won a close game. Uh, they got great, obviously great performances out of their stars, but, and a huge performance out of Al Horford, which was, uh, I don't want to say surprising, but just, like he's the one who really kept them in the game the whole time. Uh, but the, the most, you know, the, that's the biggest takeaway I can think of. It's like, I think of all the stupid mistakes they made, like, like Derek white dribbling out of bounds, touching the baseline, like, ah, or like Marcus, both Marcus smart and Jalen Brown tried to take it like one on four there. I think they were down like two or four late. It was like one four, 100. And they both tried to take it coast to coast and like kind of got stuffed by the rim you know, Al Horford going up against Nick Claxton twice, uh, you know, just on broken plays and just getting stuffed twice. Like that's stuff that they can clean up so easily. Right. And then it's a 10 point win, <laughs> you know, and it's just stuff they don't typically do. Uh, you know, they, they don't know. Do you feel like, everything. do you feel like that was rust? Do you feel like that was the layoff or just getting too amped up or just the, you know, mm-hmm. again, falling into old bad habits there that obviously have kind of dissipated during the second half of the season? I think it's definitely amped up. I mean, I was amped up watching that game. I mean, I, I just feel like the crowd was crazy and definitely, you know, you could feel it even watching from TV TV. I know I texted you, like you have to give me a play by play. It felt like, cause it was nuts on TV, but um, I think they're amped up. I think a lot of those turnovers were just like trying to make a crazy play. And uh, you know, they were going a million miles a minute, a million miles an hour. They uh, you know, 
they're not used to playing that many minutes, that short rotation, just all these little playoff things that happen every year. But before, you know, it's just so easy to get geeked up for it. So that was like sort of my biggest like pro, like they can play better and they still won. Yeah, it's, I mean, Kyrie, I don't think Kyrie can play better than that. And the right. fact that, and on the flip side, I, you can, it is, it is nuts because you can, you can kind of tailor game one, however you want mm-hmm. you know, from either side of the coin. And I agree with you in the sense that the Celtics, they had, a, they were really sloppy in that game. That fourth quarter couldn't have gone much worse before they, <laughs> you know, that comeback, obviously you in the last, you know, few minutes when, when, you know, Jalen Brown got going and we all know what happened in the final minute, but um, yeah, there's, there's a ton of, a parts of that game defensively they gave away a ton of open looks uncontested stuff to the Nets supporting cast while Kyrie had it going so you know you can do one of that you can have Kyrie get it going but if Kyrie gets it going you need to take away the easy looks for the other guys and the Celtics for a, a big chunk of that game weren't doing both and so like you said when you when you go back to the film even the coaching staff have a couple of days to break it up a couple of days to figure out okay how are we defending Kyrie like what are we doing with these drops of Tice and other areas where there was obviously some miscommunications there late. Um, but I'm a few. The fact that they were that flawed for a lot of that game um, got next to nothing from the, the bench and we're still we're able to pull that out. Like that's that's just a huge comment because, I mean, if they lose that game, you, know, you don't feel good about them in the series anymore. That's just that's Definitely just not. too too big of a hill to climb to after, you know, knowing that you don't know when Rob Williams is going to be available. I mean, it's exactly what you said. You can look at that game in so many different ways, depending if you're a Nets fan, a Celtics fan. Like, for example, you talked about their open looks. I think Grant Williams had all of his four threes that he missed were wide open. And it's like, he's a, he's obviously a very good three-point shooter. So, like, like you know that's not going to happen. So, if you're a Celtics fan and you're thinking, oh, that's fine, He'll, you know, or if you're a Nets fan, you're like, oh, my God, Grant's, Grant might hit those. And then, again, 10-point win. On the other side, it's like, Durant was what you know like 25% shooting or something like yeah, 9 at 24 <laughs> yeah like just unbelievable and six turnovers too <laughs> yeah like and you can say and if you're a Celtics fan you're saying they played him so well which they did but he's still Kevin Durant <laughs> right. he's still gonna get buckets in this series so yeah it's 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 a very funny series and that's why you know and that's why we can point to it, it was a one-point win right so like <clears throat> I think as a Celtics fan you're feeling very good as a Nets fan, you're kind of like, we had a chance there. We should have stolen that game, and and they didn't. So, to, but to go back to what you asked me about the most, um, you know, yeah, let's go to column B. Yeah, what's what's thing. yeah, yeah, what's what's the most concerning thing you saw going I forward? Think, I think it goes back to kind of what I said. I mean, how much of Al Horford twenty points and like just playing amazing D and stuff like that? Like, how much of that are we going to see? Without Rob Williams, we need to see a lot of it. And with Tice not playing well, we need to see a lot of it. And obviously, on the flip side, what could happen is, you know, Horford plays a little worse, Tice plays a little better, and it balances out. That's typically how it goes. But, like, there is a chance where they both play bad. And maybe that's a chance. Maybe that's the game. I'm predicting five. I'm predicting season five. So maybe that's the game where, okay, Brooklyn gets one. But, you know, we'll see. It's, yeah, you do look at just – Horford and then the starting, I mean, Tatum, Smart, Brown, and I, I'll, I'll put Brown on a different category because I thought he really struggled in that game until the fourth quarter and when he was kind of kept the Celtics offense afloat um, with some of those drives in the last few minutes there. But he was bad agree, for a lot of that yeah. game. But you're right, like Horford, that was a career high for him as a Celtics for playoff rebounding going back to, you know, three, four, five years ago. 
like 15 yeah. rebounds. He's not going to do that again. The big thing with him is if he can stretch, keep hitting those threes. He was two for two there. That that's oh, an man. easy way to get Drummond off the floor. And um, to start the game, it was sort of like yeah. that first quarter just like set the tone, like, oh, Al's gonna have a big game. And they were wet too. It wasn't like he hit the front rim, back rim, and then it bounced in. No, they were cash. So like that was that was it was nice, but it's not gonna happen every game to you. No, you're not gonna get that. You're certainly not gonna get that kind of offensive production from him. And and the rebounding against the again guys like Drummond, and that's kind of a sneaky. Storyline, I feel like the end of that game, when they were able to get that rebound off of the... I know. It's like, oh, why did they get that rebound? Because Drummond was off the floor. And and Nick Claxton is not, you know, he doesn't have the size to be a really good rebounder down there. So you're not fighting with... He had to fight with Kyrie for that board. And you have to fight with, you know, one of the <laughs> yeah. best rebounders in the league. So so that, if if Harford doesn't have to give you 20 points every night, but if he can continue to, to make Drummond more and more irrelevant in that series, that just... That helps the bigger picture, I feel like, for the Celtics from a, you know, particularly from a, de- a defensive standpoint. And then, you know, obviously um, keeping a, a Nets defense that's just going to be scrambled without anyone kind of manning the, the rim. Totally. And to go back to what you said about JB, I, I agree with you. I was texting you that whole game being like, he has no legs. I think people are, are you know, I remember he like front rim to three that was like wide open. And I was like, oh, he's tired. And so you know, that could be, I don't know if he's fasting during Ramadan. I don't know if he's um, uh, just playing more minutes and it's, you know, it's, it's the playoffs. You know what I mean? It could have been butterflies. Um, like it could be butterflies. Yeah. Exactly. But I think people like are, you know, I saw on Twitter, people were really excited, thought he had a great game. And, you know, I get, I get it. Cause he had that amazing block against Durant towards the end there where he like stapled it to the, it was like a fast break and he came back and like stapled it to the backboard. And then obviously that drive, the second, was it the second to last drive, the bucket yeah. on Brown, where he just said, forget it. I'm, I'm better than you and I'm getting to the rim, you know, much love for the local, local guy, Bruce Brown. But yeah. Like, no, JB was like, no, I'm the better Brown and I'm going, <laughs> getting to the rim and there's nothing you can do about it. And so I think people point to those and they're very excited about them, but you know, you can spin that. He can play better too. You know, it's like, he's not going to front room threes like that. So it's, it's exciting, but it's like nervous excitement from a fan's yeah. perspective. And for me, from the like worrisome standpoint, I think you do have to look at this. I mean, you already referenced it a little bit with um, like the, the Grant Williams three point shooting. I think just a supporting cast three point shooting off the bench. I mean, Tice, Grant Williams, Derek White, and Pritchard were combined two of 11 from three point range. And those are all <laughs> wide open looks. Yeah. And I so, can remember him. White had one in the corner and Pritchard obviously had one. He had that, that, uh, that in transition step back. Like it was, it was crazy. I don't know why I'm remembering every moment of this game. I think it, it was, was that, that good. good. <laughs> it was that good. It was, it, it was, this is again, this is good to have this kind of break there. But I think just in this series right now, when you look at, you know, like the Celtics without Rob Williams, you, you know, they're better one through eight, one through nine. But, you know, if, if we're getting this version of Drogic in the series, which I, I believe like he's just, I think he's, he's playoff proven. He's probably got fresh legs. And in that game, there's really no one, you know, he can work the pick and roll against Tice or whoever, if they give him those shots in that series and gets going. And he's done that for years. So if you have a guy like that, who's not afraid of the moment here, you, you need someone, you know, you don't expect white Williams and Tice all to like have it going, but at least one of those guys has to be 
a consistent shooter in this series. And right now, Grant Williams has not been that in the second half of the season, despite having a really good year. Derek White just has not been that period um, all year. Uh, his main flaw as a player. And Tice is Tice in the playoffs. And he, I mean, he can play better than this, but he certainly is not a guy you're going to rely on back there. And so Payne Pritchard play, is probably the, your best option in that standpoint, but he only played eight minutes. And I'm not sure Ime Odoka can feel super confident in having him out there for more longer than that when Durant and Kyrie are playing 42, 44 minutes a game. Yeah, I know, but and I get that. I totally get that. Like he is, he, there, he, there's nothing that's going to make him taller, right? <laughs> but like, I honestly didn't think he got picked on that much. I feel like he, you know, Kyrie hit that one three in his eye in the fourth quarter and yeah. brought it to like six or, or three or whatever. And then, you know, he hit the next one over Derek White, the guy who, you know, you should feel confident in him guarding. So I think sometimes great players just make shots and make guys like Pritchard feel like you can't play them. I disagree. Like, I think you can play Pritchard. I think what he gives you on the offensive end is very valuable, especially if they're getting open looks, which they were, we all agree with that. So like what he gives you on that end, I think he's competitive on the defensive end. I I heard the the conversation you guys had on the last pod and I know Pina is not big on Drogic right now. You know, he feels like he fell off a cliff and, you know, I agree with you, man. I mean, vets in the playoffs, like I'm surprised they're not throwing out Aldridge. I'm surprised yeah. they're not throwing out Griffin for a few minutes. Right? Like, why put Claxton in? And, and you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, I know why you put Claxton in, but like, why not see what Blake Griffin can do? You know, he's going to foul somebody, you know, he's <laughs> going to make it hard. So like, I, I don't know. So I, I just, I trust veterans, you know, in times like these and Drogic as a, is a proven veteran, like you said, but that being said, like, could Peyton Pritchard's like guard Drogic for, for certain but, I think that's a question yeah. if he's going to get on the floor. Like, yeah, like that's, he's going to have to be, a, if he can show he can do that, then I'm with you. Like you, you you're going to get enough open, like his impact on the offense is enough to deal with the defensive blowback. If he can at least, you know, put up a fight against Drogic or, you know, around screens and, you know, not be lulled into a mismatch against Durant on the, you know, on, on the wing every time down. So if he totally. can, and so that spacing, that, that I feel like becomes a bigger subplot in the series if it's game three and four, and we see repeat three-point shooting performances by Grant, White, et cetera. But, you know, obviously for defensive reasons, if those guys can hit, that's that's ideally what you want to go with if, if they can, you know, are keeping the Nets honest. Totally. I mean, if, if the Nets are playing also like Kessler and and uh, uh, Kyrie and, and um, Drogic at the same time, you're like – and Bruce Brown, you know what I mean? These guys, yeah. like – I mean, you know, you can put Pritchard on any of those guys, right? Like in a, you know, they're a lot of times they're just going to stand in the corner anyway. So like, they're going to have to really hunt out Peyton Pritchard, like, you know, and make that a focal point of their offense rather than doing what they do best. Like, I just can't see Steve Nash doing that. Maybe he should, I don't know, but I just can't see him taking them out of the flow just to attack, you know, do like a, a two, Five, two four pick and roll with like Kevin Durant. I just I just don't see it, you know. Looking for in this series now, like adjustments on both sides. I'm curious to see here. I mean, I I'd imagine you're not going to see any changes to the starting five yet for Brooklyn. Um, even though I think Claxton is easily the the better player than Durant. I would be shocked if he's not starting by the end of the series over mm-hmm. him. Just so they they lean into that. I think they feel like you're they are better off having Drummond steal minutes against Tice early in the game. If a Rob Williams went back, obviously that's the 
which could change things on that front. But what else do you see in Steve Nash kind of working with um, in game two, either to get Durant going or like you said, maybe going, he's has, still has other options on the bench to, to go to if he wants. Um, Patty Mills only played 12 minutes. Kessler Edwards for Drogic had a, you know, probably as well as he's going to play in this series. Um, all the, I mean, the whole net supporting cast for a lot of that game shot really well. So I don't know if they just are like, Hey, Kevin Durant, have a, he hit a few more shots and we're in pretty good shape here. Or if there's yeah. something else they try. I honestly think they're not going to do a ton, especially for game two. Um, I think the, the biggest difference could be if Nash starts working the refs, if they're allowing, you know, uh, Boston to be as physical as they were with Kevin Durant, which I think they should. I think they were just as physical with Kevin Durant as they are with any guy. It's just Kevin Durant is like very slight. So it's easier to knock him off. It's easier for Grant Williams or, to, or uh, Jason Tatum to actually knock him off the ball. Um, you know, I, I, if he starts getting super superstar sort of off the ball all calls, I'm going to be really upset because that's just going to really ruin the product. I mean, the product was like so ruined in the first half. Anyway, yeah, well, but... the first, I mean, the first quarter, you just wonder, like the Celtics were like, well, I can't call like this all game. So like, <laughs> we're going to keep being physical with them because otherwise they're going to have like a record amount of fouls in that game, which obviously wasn't going to happen. So that clearly played to their advantage after that quarter. Totally. So like in terms of that, that's the biggest, um, you know, adjustment. Obviously everyone's talking about Ben Simmons coming back. I have no idea why they would do that. That seems like if they're down 3-0, it's just like, okay, let's put him in there and see what he can do. He's obviously a very good player. He's not, in my mind, a a great player, but he's a very good player, very good defender, but he's never played with these guys. He didn't even play with Philadelphia this year. Like the guy hasn't played in a year and, and the Celtics have shown they can scheme out of him anyway. It would sort of be like, you know, I think they would be fine. You know, just talk about like not having to worry about someone on the wing. You know, a lot of the Nets offense is predicated on guys making space and staying in the corners for Kevin and Kyrie to work. If if you got Ben Simmons standing in the corner, where you know, say Al Horford's guarding Ben Simmons in the corner. Guess where he is? Right. Nowhere near Ben Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, uh, it's just, I'm not worried about that. I, I'm surprised just, this is so small, but I'm surprised like uh, Kessler Edwards played over Cam Thomas. Like to yeah. me, like I, you know, I, I, I won't say I watched a ton of Brooklyn, but like in all the games I did watch, it seems like Cam Thomas played pretty well. And I've never, this sounds terrible. I've never even heard of Kessler Edwards until the other day. <laughs> So to throw him into a, a you know a playoff game, I only play only play four minutes, but like if he if he's the guy you got, you know, Drogic and Mills are not going to shoot that well for the rest of the series. I just know they won't. They just can't. Right. I mean, certainly. I mean, they'll probably get the boost on. But I, you're right. Like Thomas was a guy who could get points in a hurry, and whatever. I mean, I think like Nash just really tightened things up in the rotation at the, the very end of the regular season there, and and Thomas was the the odd guy out, but I'm a few. I mean, that's someone who they could, you know, just to add more spacing with that group. And, you know, you take the defensive leg of it, but you're right. I, I, him, Edwards over Thomas did obviously, I mean, it wasn't much of an impact on the game, but it would kind of surprise me if they continue to stay in that direction. Yeah. I mean, they just don't have any other options. You know what I mean? It's like, what other, I mean, what do you think? What adjustments do you think they could make? Uh, I mean, the Claxton <laughs> starting is the biggest one. Yeah. Um, I think, and beyond that, I mean, Ben Simmons coming off the bench is, you know, that we'll talk about that. That's probably a game or two away down the line. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know what else you do. Like, I mean, Drummond, you got to play one of Drummond, Griffin, Aldridge. So I could, I could potentially seeing some kind of a shift there during this series, but you know, Drummond beyond fouling everyone, like he at least can, if he's moving, he's clearly moving better than Griffin and Aldridge at this point, which isn't mm-hmm. saying much. Um, but yeah, those guys are, those guys are benched for a reason. And yeah, the Nets really don't have much to tweak. I think the Celtics probably have more options to choose from. I think the biggest thing with for them, if they, they do lose a game or two here, will be like, what happens to Tice? Um, do you go, do you start Grant or you just, do you start Derek White? I don't think they, they, they're going to stay away from that if they, if they don't need to, because I think right. they like, they like playing with that slice to start games. And you know that if you do, you know, Tice can finish. Um, he was blown bunnies left and right, but generally he's a pretty good finisher around the rim there. And hopefully he doesn't have the yips in game two or three for them. And that, that helps things. But I think the Celtics have more, they can tweak right now than, than the Nets do because the Nets, I mean, the, again, these guys have been together for freaking two months. So like, what, totally you're, you're, they're still figuring out on the fly. And like, if they're like, we were talking about before, if Griffin and Aldridge aren't playing, there's a reason, right? These yeah. guys are veterans. Like they've, played playoff basketball they've been very good players in this league so if they're not playing this if they don't play next game they're not going to play that's how i feel yeah like, no i believe that yeah it's just or they're not gonna it's not gonna matter you know what i mean they're right. gonna be that right they're game. yeah they're not gonna be and so aldridge i mean aldridge was, he only played two games in the last month you had a like i think a back thing some kind of issue but even when he came back he only played you know 23 minutes in two games and, and didn't score a point in either of those games so it, it's clear like whatever injury he might have had he was probably done. Like he's just yeah. not, he's not right. And they're, they're certainly don't trust him enough to in this series, but yeah, but between him and Blake that like, I agree. Like that's a wild card change, but they, they don't have the faith there right now. So, um, all right, let's first hear from our sponsor bet online. Um, they continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, odds on these playoff series, and even some of the next season's future throughout the NBA postseason. Baseball is also back, so you can check out the start of the Major League Baseball season and the full MLB odds on there on a nightly basis. So it's you can do it for that. You can check out live betting on all your Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to join. Use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. It's where the game starts. All right. Brandon Jackson, a lot of talk today. Marcus Smart, defensive player of the year. Um, I like the, the timing of this. They're like, okay, we they Celtics had a really good game over the Nets in game one. We don't know how the rest of the series is gonna go. Let's give him this award. Let's announce this right away before <laughs> things get before he gets lit worst. up again. Before, yeah, before <laughs> unless Kyrie gets or something like that. But um there I did not expect to see the amount of pushback. Um online from another a number of key uh from prominent um you know anal- MB analysts if you will about the smart pick what's where do you fall on this and um you know smart got first Mikhail Bridges second Rudy Gobert third do you have any any quibbles on how this went down I have no quibbles but I'll be f- full transparency I don't care about NBA awards. <laughs> I just like as a, as an analyst, yeah. you know, as a writer, uh, you know, in a previous life, as a fan, I just never cared. The two things I really don't care about awards and front office stuff. And that's what our friend Ryan loves, Ryan Bernadoni. So like, I love, I just like, I read him and I'll say, yeah, that makes sense. 
what I will say about, and I know he's been on such an awesome campaign for, for Marcus Smart. What I will say is when you're having like really smart, prominent, respected NBA players, defensive players saying, I'm happy for smart. This is awesome. Like mm-hmm. he's much deserved. Absolutely. Mikhail Bridges, Draymond Green, you know, tons of other NBA players. Like, how can you be that upset? So the, the amount of pushback I saw on the analysts, I think it, it's just so funny. I just, I was reading all of it, like, and I'm not going to name names because I'm not trying to single anyone out. Right. Yeah. But like, there are people like arguing, well, he's, you know, a certain rank in this stat and a certain rank in that stat and blah, 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 blah. And I just want to be like, for years, all I hear about are like defensive metrics are flawed and, and it's really hard to measure and blocks and steals are everything you need to know. And, uh, you know, on off numbers and, and uh, defensive rating, whatever, you know, how many points you give up. And I'm just like, you know, you can't have it both ways. It can't be like, Oh, you know, the fact that he's only top five and not top two makes him not deserving of of this award. Um, And then, you know, say in the same breath, like, Oh, these stats like leave much to be desired. That's the kind of stuff that bothers me. And then the last thing I'll say is I'm just not a Rudy Gobert guy. Like I, I, you know, it's very, I like watching him. I like uh, guards going up against him and seeing how he affects. And he just, he does, he affects the game in a five foot radius around the basket. And that's really cool. What happens when they, if they have to play golden state, like golden state's just going to tee off. Like he's going to be completely useless like he can't, you know, if he could goaltend, yeah, great, but he can't. Like, so like the fact that people were getting so up in arms and pointing to Rudy Gobert and like, especially how much Rudy Gobert gets paid over Marcus Smart, I'm like, okay, so so Utah gave him the Supermax, a contract that I wouldn't give him. That's a bad sure, contract. <laughs> it's a bad contract. Like, like, why would like why would you point to like a bad contract as a reason like why? It was just, you know. Oh, it just gave, gave me such a, a headache rolling my eyes, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, in my mind, this was, a, I mean, first of all, this is the perfect storm of it just being a wide open field for yep. it this year. And this is where you and smart kind of obviously took advantage of that. And yeah, like I think, but to anyone else who like is like going off on it, it's like, okay, anyone who got this award this year was going to have a flawed case, like or yep. clearly a point to be like, there's issues here, but if it, it, it it lays out pretty simply for my mind. It's like, okay, who are our top contenders? We had five or six guys reasonably contended for those award. You start with say Gobert and Giannis. I think immediately both of those guys are disqualified because the Bucks and the Jazz don't have top 10 defenses this year. Boom. Like period. So boom. That's you're like, I like, okay, if you're the best defender in the league, I, I'm sorry. It, if you don't make that cut, it's you're sorry, better. It, it could be voter for fatigue too, but that, I think that's an immediately like you're eliminated there. Same reason why great players on bad teams don't win the MVP. Right. It's like so. the, t- or even like last year, Tatum didn't make the all NBA. It's like, what? He was on a, a shitty team last year. Like that's, that's, that has a, a necessary impact on the voting. Maybe it's overstated, but it is what it is. And it's there every single year. Mm-hmm. After that, what do you look at here? You're looking at Jaron Jackson, Jr. Bam Adebayo. They came in fourth and fifth. Bam Adebayo, I actually do think had a reasonable case or he had a sick defense, but he also, he only played 54 games. Exactly. Again, that is nearly missing a third of the season. That is going to take away a lot of votes. And then after that, 
you come down and Jaron Jackson too also missed, I think a decent amount of games, Memphis defensively finished the year fourth, but you know, he's second year league. He doesn't have the, the reputation which, that smart did at this point, which is why he was top five in the voting. Right. right. He got there. <laughs> right. And then, so when it comes down to, okay, you eliminate those guys, you come down to smart or bridges bridges, really great player on a really good team with a really good defense, but has not been around the, the league long enough mm-hmm. to get the reputation that smart has. Is it, if you're, if you take that factor out of play, when it comes to voting, the name recognition or whatever, then yeah, bridges probably had a better chance of it, but this year, or, like or at smart. least 50 50 and guess what 50 right. 50 is 50 50 and smart yeah. got the coin flip exactly probably based on what you talked about the pedigree right. the pedigree the the storylines the Celtics did have the best defense the second half of the year um and so yeah that's that's the storm right there so i don't understand how anyone could be out it's like it's pretty simple how this broke down and yeah, he'd be like, oh yeah, who oh, no. Bam out of bio should have been to his side. Like, well, Bam out of bio missed like 28 games. Yeah, seriously. So like it's you look at it from that standpoint. Again, I don't, I'm not for you. I don't like I don't get worked up about this stuff at all. Like <laughs> awards. I just, I just we get more worked about the there. worked up about the people getting worked up about it. Yeah, exactly. That but yeah, when people are getting like, like this is outrageous. Like, no, it's not. It's like <laughs> there's gonna be probably different award this year that's gonna be far more or this is just like, yeah, like smart took advantage of the the perfect storm and like that's fine. Like I, you're anyone who, anyone who would have won out, you could, would have said the same exact thing about. Yeah. I think like, I remember back in the day when Derek Rose won MVP over LeBron and there was a lot of, you know, like quibbling and a lot of, you know, hullabaloo around the NBA, the true Hoop network, those email chains. Oh, yeah. And I'll admit I voted, you know, I didn't have a vote, but like in our informal stuff, I voted for Derek Rose mostly because I was just, completely odd in that season he had. Um, But I had a conversation with Henry Abbott and he sort of easily convinced me that LeBron should have won. And it's like, that to me was a lot easier to get upset by, right? Than this, like, to all the points you said, it's it's sort of a down year for defensive player of the year. You know, Kawhi's not in it, you know, like all these, you know, a lot of- Draymond was hurt too, like guys like- Exactly. And so like, so- I don't know why. I don't know why they just can't be happy. I think, I think smart is one of those polarizing players where if he was on your team, you'd love him. And if he's not on your team, you don't, you, you, you respect him, but maybe you don't love him. So maybe they're just thinking, Oh, I can't believe I have to like have this sort of role player as the defensive player of the year. But the bottom line is he's super well-respected around the league for among his peers. And to me that obviously means way more than any of the analysts. I also think the last thing I'll say is, you know, I think they get so worked up about it because they just are living and breathing everything NBA. It's their job, you know, all day, every day. And I know it's your job too, for sure. But like, you know, we're a little bit biased because we, you know, watch and you cover the Celtics. But like these national guys are just like, just obsessed with, just the minutia around everyone around the league. And so if they can't have something to be upset by, then what do they fill that vacuum with? You know, it's fair. <laughs> I don't know. That's just my soapbox on this whole no. thing. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, you know, wrap up another on a real positive topic here. That's Kyrie Irving. Um, <laughs> now that we're going there. No, um, oh you actually, God. during, a, during our, our, our pre-show pod, you made a good point. I mean, we had a lot of new remarks today from Kyrie didn't talk, but, Ime Odaka talked about it. Um, Kevin Durant 
talked about Boston fans and just uh, being in the, you know, being a, having a target on his back and thing that the booing comes out of, you know, from a love standpoint um, or it's rooted False. in love, which, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's not, it's okay. not, but um, yeah. What did you think about Emei's comments today? Which he pretty much was like, yeah, not bothered by it. This is like not a big deal to me. And Kyrie kind of has history, this thing. So like, kind of crapping on him like indirectly well he was like he was just being very matter of fact he like the way i took it and i'm paraphrasing and maybe i'm like taking too much too much license but the way i look at what email's comments were and you were there right so you heard him yeah so you can tell me if i'm right or wrong but my feeling was he was like this is silly uh fans yell at opposing players it's worse than the playoffs it's a lot worse if you do the things like you do Kyrie, you know, I, I, it's just, you know, it's frustrating. Cause he just like, you can't ever believe anything that comes out of Kyrie's mouth because it's just it never means anything. You know what I mean? So he'll say one thing, you know, he'll say like, Oh, I'm not going to get bothered by it. I welcome it, blah, blah, blah. And then you see what happened. He doesn't welcome it. It does get under his skin. He doesn't like it. And if he was just honest and said, like, I don't like it, like, that would be fine. But obviously, he can't say that because then Boston will give it to him, you know, 100 times worse. So I think Ime was just like, dude, just stop. Like, stop pretending like you're surprised by all these negativity. Right. Like, that. so that's where I love Ime's comments. And and here they are, by the way. I'll give them. In full yeah, yeah, yeah read them out. So that I hear all the post-game comments in Udoga said of Irving's remarks. I heard some of them, but we're not worried about that. Albie, it's a deal. It's a deal he has with the team he's been with. Had a similar thing in Cleveland. So our focus is guarding him, stop him from getting 39. We're not worried about what's going on with him and the fans. And that's so the thing. I want to read into that Cleveland line so hard. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know. He might have just picked a, a former team. But, like, I just wa- so desperately want to be like, wait, what happened in Cleveland? Well, like, he, he skipped, like, three years of games in Cleveland. He played opening night in Cleveland and then he didn't go back there during his yeah, whole but, time as a Celtic. I guess maybe, yeah, okay, that's right. That's right. while he was a Celtic. I thought you meant like his injury history. He oh, had, yeah, no, no, no. Just, this is just, yeah. yeah, this was, yeah, yeah I mean, they were injuries. Yeah, they were, they were just, he conveniently, that was always one that he was sitting out. That's right. And that's so, right. yeah, it's with him at this point that, I mean, what it really comes down to, I think, I mean, there was always going to be just, how he left is, you know, how he left. And there's always going to be bad blood from the fan base based on that. But the, the inability to admit that, I mean, the, the constant fanning of the flames by him, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it was his comments in March about the, the scoring girlfriend thing. I mean, obviously this stuff last year is still leaves some, you know, rubs fans the wrong way in terms of what he said about um, the entire, you know, Boston fan base, essentially. And then and the stomping and, and stuff. the stomping. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Just like you, you throw all that together and then like the hilarity of him coming out before the series being like, Oh, like, why can't we just move past this? It's like, well, if you like, if he actually came out at one point and was like, if I do think if he like had straight up and like, I'm sorry that like I misled the fan base, I should never said I was going to resign. Like that was bad. If he, if he said something like that and like, own that at some point. I do think a good chunk of the Celtics fan base would be like, all right, like, yeah, you you've matured or whatever you 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 did. Like we respect that. But just I mean, and it's just him as a individual. I mean, when he talks, it's like there's just not the 
you don't know what's going to come out about the, the accountability factor is never there. And, and now well, you're going to have this be a fat storyline. It's not going to end anytime soon. I'll tell you that much. I mean, here's the thing. A guy like Kyrie has proven that he never in his life thinks he's ever done anything wrong. Like yeah. he just is never, never done that. You know, he never says like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said when he said the whole earth was flat thing, you know, he, I, you know, if I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, he was trying to say like, guys, like not everything that we're told is true, which is true, right? Like there's some stuff that we're told like is not true, you know, is true, is not true, whatever. You know, you should be skeptical, right? Healthy skepticism is a good thing. But what he said was like, no, no, I, it's like, it's flat. I don't know, you know, you're, you're a sheep. Basically he was saying like, you're a sheep if you believe. And it's just like, dude, oh my God. Like, you know, the, the sage, the stuff, and, and don't get me wrong. I don't understand it. So like, I, it's easy for me to criticize, but like all this stuff, I just, he's just a dude, all it boils down to is he's a dude that never thinks he's wrong, which is fine. So that's why it's, he'll never have that accountability. Like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that ad with Nike where my dad and <laughs> right. I are playing one-on-one in the garden and no one's going to wear number 11 uh. again. It's so silly. It's all just so silly. And you know, the one thing I'll say that just it, it's embarrassing is when any in a lot of NBA players, a lot of athletes do this, but the, uh, the coming out being like he, he tried to do it in the post game and Nick Friedel just like wa- walked right past it. It was amazing. It was like, you know, people are calling me this and that and where I'm from. You don't do that. Where I'm from. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God, dude, you've been in the NBA for like 10 years. You're a gazillionaire. You're yeah. not from there anymore, okay? Right. You're not fighting anyone. This isn't the malice of the palace, dude. You're not going in. You're not waiting out for people to fight in Causeway Street. You're going home. You're, you, you have every right to be upset, right? You have every right to be upset. Yeah, no. But some people were saying terrible things to you, I'm sure. And, and, you know, I read on Twitter today that people were saying terrible things and they got kicked out of the arena for it, which is a right. good thing. Right, great. <laughs> Absolutely they they should be here. Yes. Like, I don't like, I don't have any issues. If you only like, flip off thing, like that's like go ahead. Like that that's the stuff oh, that's like and that's the other thing too. People were on Twitter on the Celtics side were getting so upset that he flipped us off. Like, oh my god, it's like, it's like it's exactly it's like, yeah, that's <laughs> he should be able to do that. Like that's yeah, he's taking it. Like that's the NBA will keep finding him for it, but if he's willing to do that, like that's people like that's not what Celtics fans, I think in general, are like no one gets right up by that. No, it's, it's no, everything. Not, not by and large, right? No, so, no. Yeah, yeah. I just so, like it's it's just so embarrassing, like secondhand embarrassment. It's like watching like some of the worst episodes of The Office when I'm watching that post game <laughs> press conference and Kyrie's like, first of all, he spends five minutes talking about it, and then he's like, someone asks a question, but he's like, I'm talking about basketball. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, dude, what are you talking about? You just spent like five minutes talking about it. Like, it's just stop, stop. Instead of taking accountability, you know what he should have done? Go play the games, go take your lumps, and eventually you, everyone gets over it. Boston gets over it because you're not reacting to it. And, yeah. and you get over it because you're used to it. But he just refuses. He's just like, no, this is what I'm going to be. It's embarrassing. Well, it's only game one. It's only game one. So, <laughs> like, this is the subplot of this, and, and their NBA is getting record ratings for this series already for a first round series. Um, so the, uh, the subplot will continue for the next couple of weeks here, at least. Um, and we'll see if it goes beyond that for the Celtics, but I don't know. I think we're, I think we're certainly in for six or seven here. 
Are you still, you're sticking with Celtics in five here? You think that? Absolutely. Was, I think yeah. obviously next game will tell a lot. I mean, every game tells a lot. It's such a cop out, but like, yeah. I just feel like I, you know, it goes back to what uh, Pina was saying on the last pod. Like, I just don't see how this team matches up. I mean, the Celtics showed in game one that they're very good at scheming and, and throwing multiple guys at Durant and he's still Kevin Durant. Like he could go absolutely off for sure. Right. But then they also have some horses like Derek white and Marcus smart and Jalen Brown to throw at Kyrie. So like, it's really pick your poison and the team that we just, you know, we discussed their supporting players aren't that good. So like if the Celtics lose this series, I think it's a firm indictment of they're not as good as we thought they were or, or small sliver. Kevin Durant and Kyrie just absolutely went supernova, right? We're assuming that like Kyrie's not going to shoot that well for the rest of the season, right? Some sort of rest of the series, some sort of regression, but is it possible? He could. Sure. Anything's possible. He's an amazing player. So like that, that's my, that's my small thing. Um, I think I texted you before the series that my other thing was that they're, you know, Patty Mills would catch fire. Or Seth Curry would catch fire. I think that's out. There's no chance. I think that was their game. The first game where Drogic scored in double figures. Yeah. That's their game where they needed the, the bench to steal one. And I just don't see it from now on. All right. Well, <laughs> stay tuned for that. I'm, I'm, I still think it's going to go longer. Um, I had the cop out seven, seven, seventh pick, but I feel actually pretty good about that right now. Um, given, how this went, but I do think, um, you know, they go up 2-0 in Brooklyn and then we get the, the Ben Simmons subplot and the Rob Williams subplot and a lot of other fun storylines to rest the way. But we'll have it all covered for you here on the Winning Plays pod. We'll get B-Jax back here later in this series to, to break it all down. Thanks for coming aboard, buddy. Um, anytime, anytime. Thank rate, you for re- having me. Yeah, of course. Rate, review, subscribe to Winning Plays pod, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get um your podcast these days and we'll be back with you guys later this week after i don't know if i mean it can't, it's not going to be as good as game one but we can say that but hopefully it's at least another entertaining finish